Hey everyone, I'm Damien. And I'm Kara. And welcome and to I... Bubble Bath. Bubble Bath. Bath. <laughs> We're so bad. So bad at this. We'll get it one day and we'll be like It'll be the most triumphant thing where we're maybe just getting it and we don't know we're getting it. And everybody that's listening is like, why did these idiots not think they're getting it? <laughs> maybe, huh? Uh, so our guest today. Oh, I forgot to ask a question. Oh, well, that's okay. Just, just, you probably know the question. Anyway, so our guest today is the author of the 24-7 Demon Mart series. One of my favorite series. Great horror comedy. DM Gay. Hello. Hello. I meant to ask you when we were like before recording, should we call you mm-hmm. DDM? What what should we call you? Uh, people just call me Denise or they just call me D. Okay. So. We'll just stick with D if it ever comes but up. But DM, it's real initials. Like I have been asked, like, does it mean like, you know, dungeon master? Like it's a D&D thing? It's like, no, it's Denise Marie. Like it's real. Like, <laughs> Well, I didn't, I didn't know because like, I didn't know if it was one of those things where it's like, I don't want everybody to know my name. So. No, no, too late. Too late. Yeah, too late. And if it if it isn't now, it is because that's fine. I mean, people know I I share that. So yeah, because we're not starting over now. So you're Denise out. or D. You can call me D. <laughs> so that's what my friends call me. Cool. That works. <laughs> so let's see. Should we just start off with a question? Yeah, I feel like this. That might we've been like really like ex, like trialing things, and it seems like the small talk at the start, we end up almost going over like two hours sometimes because we go on tangents. So let's just start with the questions. <laughs> we're all so interesting. Like, come on. We're so <laughs> All right. So we'll start with the first one that I see here. Um, it's from Ziggy Nixon. And they oh, said, Ziggy. Yep. <laughs> non-book related question. Hmm, well, I am still fascinated by your tenure as a roller derby athlete. I love watching it. How long did you do? How long did you do that? Uh, could you make a living at it? And how badly injured did you ever get or give? Oh God, So much in that one question. Ziggy always keeping me on my toes. He's like my number one super fan. He's like such an author cheerleader. He's always so awesome. But anyway, if you like book reviews, you should totally follow him. So I'll give him a plug back, you know, (laughs) for a change. But where should I start with roller derby? Like, yeah. So I live in Columbus, Ohio. And we have a roller derby league and it's called Ohio Roller Derby now. But when I moved here, it was Ohio Roller Girls and it had just started. So I moved to Columbus after Hurricane Katrina because, you know, New Orleans was washed away and I didn't, you know, (laughs) that's where I lived for the last 10 years before that. And I was like in Columbus and I was like, oh my God, I'm like starting over with like a brand new life. And I'm like, I don't know anybody. And I'm like, how am I going to make friends? How am I going to meet people? Like I have to start over again. I can't believe it. This sucks. So I was like, what am I going to do? So then I found out about Ohio Roller Girls and I was like, you know, I really loved roller skate. So this is like the perfect opportunity. Like I can go, I can meet new people. I can roller skate, get some exercise, burn off some stress. So then I just showed up at practice and this was like 2006. So it was their first year, 2006, like a few months later was our first season. So I was one of the first Ohio roller girls. (laughs) So cool. I used to, I used to watch the like way back TV. Yeah. Yeah. Way back when it was like, I, I still love, I love wrestling and that's like no secret. Mm -hmm. But Like ECW was on, I think TNN or something. And they always Mm -hmm. played the roller derby after 
And I always watched it and was just like, wow, this is so cool. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the same vibe, like in the 70s is wrestling, where it's yeah. like there's characters and you have stage names and personalities. And they were like beating each other up and throwing each other off those tracks. But they had like a slant track, which is like super duper dangerous. So <laughs> it's like Ohio, we didn't have the money to build one of those. So we had like just flat tracks. So we would practice at like the roller rink and, you know, and we would have our our bouts at the either the convention center in downtown Columbus or um, at the expo center by the Ohio State Fair. But I mean, it was fantastic. Like I, my name was Girlzilla <laughs> and my little tagline was six foot two, six feet, two inches of mean monster madness. Cause I'm, I'm six foot two on roller skates. <laughs> so yeah, it was awesome. And it was like one of the best experiences of my life, but it was very difficult and very dangerous and very painful. <laughs> and yeah. there were epic injuries. So yeah, we'd have to go through the list of injuries what would you say is the worst injury you've gotten? Well, me personally, um, my first season, I tore my MCL in my knee 90% during a practice. And it was one of the, that was the first one. That wasn't even the last. So, <laughs> so it was like, we were practicing. It was right before the first match. And I was, it's like, just, I don't know if you've ever had that moment where something hurts so bad, like that happens to you so quickly that you immediately, your mouth waters and you feel like, Ugh, like you're going to mm -hmm. barf like, yeah. like suddenly, like in a split second, like it was that moment, like someone hit me and I fell weird and I tore my MCL. And just in that split second, I was like, mm, oh, God. <laughs> and, it was, and I had never, I mean, I was reasonably sporty, like growing up, like I ran track and I played volleyball and you know, all that stuff, but I'd never had an injury like that before. And I was just like, Oh my God, like something's not right. But anyway, long story short, it was a 90% tear. So almost clean off. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, like all I put, I sent a Ziggy pictures of roller derby because I was talking to him today. Cause I was like, Oh, you've opened a can of worms. Here's pictures of me in derby. And if you look really closely, you can see that I'm wearing a huge leg brace that goes from like basically my upper thigh to below my knee. And that's because, because I was still, I did my six weeks, which was probably like the bare minimum physical therapy <laughs> after that. But then I was like right on the on the rink again, even though I probably shouldn't have. Because, you know, that's what you did. You were like, oh, I'm badass. I got to get back to skating and my team yeah. needs me. And, you know, I was like a jammer and I like, like I'm the guy that scores the points. So they're like, we need jammers. So you need to come back. And I was like, OK, so I'm like jamming and getting hit with this like still with this fresh injury. And I've got, I just had to wear my Mecca leg is what we called it. You know, <laughs> it's my Mecca leg, Mecca girlzilla. So yeah. So I just wore my brace and the doctor pretty much said, well, for the rest of your life, because of this injury, like every time you ski or do something like where you might have that sort of weird movement side to side, like real quick, like skiing or, you know, you have to wear that brace. So it's like a forever thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But th th those were really common. And an MCL isn't even like the worst knee injury. Like at, like girls were getting ACLs, which is like really deep in there. And then like PCL in your knee. And like if you got a PCL tear, you pretty much had to wear like a hard like plastic brace that went from your ankle like all the way up to your thigh. Like it was nuts, like the things that we did. But we were like so gung-ho and so young and so excited you know, and it's like, it was like a club of ladies and we were all friends and we're all still friends actually, which is kind of the awesome part. So, but yeah, that was my first injury. <laughs> but then for the 2006 season, which was our first season, we had an awards banquet at the end where we like all voted for stuff and made it fun and have trophies. And I won for best bruise, which was really tough competition. So because that first bout back when I was wearing my Mecca leg, like 
when you're the jammer, your job is to skate fast and you're the guy who scores the points. So you are skating through a pack of, of skaters from both teams, your team and the other team. And your team is trying to protect you as you get through because you get a point for every guy on the other team you pass. But the other team is trying to knock you over (laughs) because they don't want you to score. So you're the guy who's like the pinball, like getting beat up and pushed around because you're the scorer. So like my first bout back, like it was actually my best scoring bout. It was like 25 points, you know, it was excellent, but I was they beat the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like they were basically wiping the floor of the convention center with me. So it's like, I would just get knocked down and I would hit and the floor was concrete. So I just hit the concrete and because I was trying to protect my knee, I'd fall on my thigh. I wouldn't bend. I would just fall right on the same thigh. Cause I was and slide because it was concrete and our stupid uniforms were these little like camouflage cheerleader skirts that um, one of our teammates, grandma's actually custom sewed them for all of us. But Grandma Charlie, love her. But anyway, so I'm in this little skirt <laughs> and I keep hitting the floor with my bare skin. Mm. So I get this huge bruise and it, I mean, it's basically from knee to hip and it's like yellow and blue and awful and incredibly painful. But then worse, because I was sliding around on the floor, I got a MRSA infection in it because <laughs> I got a cut. Like a oh little my God. So I'm like, I didn't know it because it was only just a tiny little scrape it didn't even seem like a thing so it seemed like it healed up but then all of a sudden I was like sitting at work and I was like oh I feel like hot and sick all of a sudden like oh my god something's wrong and they rushed me to urgent care and it turns out I'm like I have like you know MRSA <laughs> and like it's from this thing like on my leg and I was like oh my god so it turned into this whole like emergency thing so anyway I deserve that trophy for best bruise and I got yeah. it and I, it's still <laughs> on my wall of dubious distinction where I keep all my weird trophies when I, I win so I was wondering about that. I hope you still have so those it. were my two worst I hope you still have it there's of just... course I still have it are you kidding <laughs> I earned that so I mean I earned that trophy there's some things like I had I guess you know trophies from being a little kid aren't the same as like getting the coolest bruise trophy my peewee league football trophy is nowhere near as cool as that those are still cool though those are like well earned i don't have yeah. them i don't have them that's why i was like i hope you still have it because i'm like eight-year-old me is like you know a lot different than full-grown adult human so it's oh like- well you know i tell you my terrible tales but i wasn't even like the worst like i was talking to my my one of my best friends and she, we met during roller derby and her name was wreck and roller but um so another one of those barf instantly moments we were at practice and she fell and there was this crack and i went to see how she was and i looked down and I was like, mm-hmm. because she had broken her leg and the bone was poking out and there was stuff poking out around oh. it. And I was like, oh my God. And she's like, how does it look? Am I okay? I was like, mm. <laughs> no, you're not okay. So then today I was like, hey, I was like, how much, how much metal do you have on your leg? And she goes, I have a titanium shin bone. So that's what she got out of that. Like <laughs> she oh was out forever God. after that. She was never able to skid again. And she has a full metal shin bone and i was like oh i guess that's why we never fly anywhere because good luck getting you through airport security with your <laughs> metal robo that. leg so she's like the robo wreck now and then my other friend my other best friend we went out last night and um the famous tale i tell her tale a lot well she was skating as well and uh you know she got injured at practice very common and then um she broke her ankle and her boyfriend was a paramedic and he was like okay i'm taking you to the hospital so he's carrying her into the hospital and it was such a bad break that her foot was hanging on backwards <laughs> oh <laughs> he carried her in i was like he picked her up and her foot was on backwards like like a like a b horror movie i was like oh my god like <laughs> 
So, and I, you know, these ladies were not the only ones. There was all kinds of crazy stuff like that happening, but we were like young and optimistic and having fun. And then it was like, you know, in the culture of that, it becomes a sign of what a badass you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me kind of like the early punk movement where it's like, I don't, it's just so unique and interesting and there's so much personality into it that like, I don't know, it's just really cool to me to see. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of, it's just, it's sports culture and it's, you know, yeah. Unlike all of us, just about all of us had some sort of sports background. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was also combined with our social lives because we did a lot of special events together and a lot of working booths at fairs and cons trying to, you know, drum up interest. And, you know, so it was like a whole universe for us. It wasn't just skating. I mean, the skating is what drew me in because I love roller skating, but it was like, it, then it became this whole other it became life consuming, you know? (laughs) So when you're in it, you want to be in it and you want to stay in it, even if it hurts and you don't want to quit. So, but I'm so happy I did it. I mean, it was like the best thing I could have done at that point in my life, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, so much of my life in Ohio is because of the women that I met there. You know, it's like, I see them everywhere and I still go out with them and I still talk to them. And I mean, that's, that's gold right there. Real friendship (laughs) forged in blood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so I'm so surprised that like I have that you don't see like it coming back into like prominence because there it, I know it's well I think I mean the leagues are still yeah, there there's still leagues. leagues everywhere yeah there's still leagues yeah. but it's not like I don't I don't know maybe I just don't pay attention enough but I see a lot of like mm-hmm. people that I know picking up roller like roller skating now and I'm like I can kind of see this like I can kind of see roller derby taking off big again like it like mm-hmm. that'd be really neat to see it would. Yeah, some people are like, oh, like, oh, you should, you should go back, you should do it again. I was like, are you fucking kidding? I'm sorry if that bombs. I was like, y'all kidding because I was like, I love it and I love to skate and I will always skate and I still do skate. And I was like, but I'm tired of getting beat up. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I, I don't just don't have the patience to be like sitting on my sofa like on pain pills for like six weeks, you know, with a torn yeah. whatever. I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm getting conservative in my old age where I'm like, I don't need the pain. You know, <laughs> like I'll just, you know, my new thing is like, I want to, I want to learn to roll bounce skate, you know, cause I can speed skate like a demon, but I don't know how to do the roll bounce. So, you know, like the dancing skating. That oh you yeah, see. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like roll bouncing. And it's like, they, it's a different kind of skate, like slightly. And then it's a very different type of um, toe stop. So I was like, you know, that's what I want to learn to do. So this winter, I actually cleared out a space in my basement office because, you know, my office is in the basement and has a concrete floor. And I was like, you know, if I clear this spot, you know, I might be able to try roll bouncing in the winter, like learn how to do some moves, like <laughs> watching yeah. YouTube, getting yeah. in my basement. So I'm working on it. I'm really bad at it. But just go to like, you know, just go to some of the skate parks and just like haul ass around the bowls, just like <laughs> go as fast as you can. Oh. That, that that gets us back to injury and danger. No, I just want to do the dancing. I want to do the cash, <laughs> cash roller dancing and like pretend it's like 1977, you know? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I used to, I skateboarded like all throughout my teens and I recently was like, why, why don't I do that? And I'm remembering like, oh yeah, because I broke both of my ankles twice. I was doing just like the oh God, skateboarding mm. and I hit my, I hit the side of my leg on my skateboard. And it still mm. hurts. And this has been like two months ago. It still hurts. And I'm like, this is why I didn't mm-hmm. do this anymore. Yep. 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 I made the mistake of trying snowboarding once as someone who never uh, skated, skateboarded. I think that if you skateboard, you can snowboard. But I am a, 
Yeah, I didn't. And I was a terrible snowboarder and it was a disaster. But it was once again, it was my roller derby captain who was like, oh, the ladies are going on a ski trip. Y'all are coming. We got a cabin. So that part was great. But you have to understand my captain, she was Megodeth is what we called her. Her name was Megodeth. Her real name is Meg. But anyway, she was like, oh, we're going skiing. And her big thing was she always like sent us out like to on the rink, like screaming, you ain't going to die because she's from West. She's got those West Virginia accents. She's like, says you ain't all the time. She's like, you ain't going to die. Like, what are you afraid of? You ain't going to die is her big thing. That's- but she lives like that in her real life, too. It wasn't just a derby thing. So she does this ski trip and the first night she pulls me and the co-captain aside and she's like, ladies, like I'm gonna make y'all a bet for tomorrow. You're not skiing. I'm like, what? She's like, you're snowboarding. And here's the deal. If you guys make it all the way down the bunny hill, like without falling, like I'm going to pay for your whole trip and all your skiing and everything. We're like, what? <laughs> but anyway, but she basically threw it on the gauntlet. Like y'all are going to learn to s- snowboard with me because I need snowboarding friends. So I was like, well, okay. She threw it down and she, you can't say no to her because that's just who she is. You can't. So I get on my snowboard and I'm standing at the top next to her. And she's like, hmm. I was like, I'm a little nervous about this. Like, I don't know how to turn. And I don't know how to stop. Like, I didn't do a lesson. She literally just strapped the snowboard on me and we're standing at the top of the hill. And I thought she was going to give me some advice, but she didn't give me any advice on how to turn or stop. She just pushed me down the hill and screamed after me, you ain't gonna die. And I was screaming like, ah, because I was like, oh my God, I'm on the bunny hill. It's like little kids and old people and people who don't know how to ski. So they're like moving around erratically because they're learning how to ski. And I'm on the snowboard. And I don't know how to steer. I don't know how to do anything. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like getting going faster and faster and faster and faster. And I was like, this is a disaster. I'm going to die. I don't know how to stop. I don't know what to do. And then like all of a sudden there's this old guy who just like he like bites the dust on his skis right in front of me, some little old man. And I was like heading right for him. I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm like going to kill this little old man. So I was like, Oh my God, I have to fall. I have to stop after something. So I make myself fall and I land face first in a snowbank. And then the snowboard is touching the back of my head. So I was like, I'm like in a circle. Like yeah. the snowboard is touching the back of my head. <laughs> so I was like, fucking stupid Meg with you ain't going to die. I'm not going to die, but I'm going to end up like in a circle pretzel in a snowbank. So somehow I survived and I was uninjured. And I then I rolled over. And then they don't tell you how hard it is to get up on a snowboard. Like when you're a woman, I guess it's harder because our center of gravity is different. So I was like, I, they're like, grab your board and rock back and forth. So I was doing that for like, two or three minutes, which if you, that's a long time, actually, I was like, super, I was like, Oh my God, I have to sit down. Cause I'm like too tired from trying to get up. And I'm like stuck here. And that's pretty much how the day went. And at the end I was like, Meg, I'm so mad at you. I was like, this was terrible. I'm like aching. I was like bent in half. And she's like, what are you complaining about? This was great. This was success. I was like, what? She's like the first time I ever snowboarded, I broke my leg in three places and they had to airlift me out of here. Oh my God. And I looked at her and I was like, you knew that and you still made me do it. She's like, you ain't going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, so anyway, these are the ladies who are my friends and who did derby with me. If that gives you an indication of it. what it was like, but totally worth it. I so. love it. Yeah. That sounds so exciting. Like I've always really been fascinated by um, roller derby and just like, it, I don't, it just seems so fast paced. And obviously I love the violence that comes with it too. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems exciting. Like it's something that, I would have loved to have tried 15 years ago, <laughs> not today. If I break something, well, I'm, I'm a goner. I guess I'll get you to speed skate. If you ever want to go roller skating, I'm always game. So I have the I most baller roller skates. I love skating any chance that I can get, which 
leads me apparently like when I was writing that Kevin versus the Loveland frogs, like I was like, why would the frogs go to Loveland? And then I looked and I saw that they have that rink there. It's called Castle Loveland. And it looks like a castle on the outside. And I was like, oh my God, like, and it claims to be like the biggest roller rink in like three states. Nice. So I still need to drive down there and go because that's totally on my list. I was like, I want to go skating at Castle yeah. Loveland. Like, hello. You know, it's really <laughs> it's near Cincinnati. It might be, we could meet there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, it's such a disappointment. Like, because we went to Cincinnati and I was like, Loveland Frog, I'm going to go. And I looked up and there isn't like any touristy stuff for Loveland Frog and Loveland. Like, I asked somebody who lives close to there that I, I know, and she was like, yeah, they don't really, they kind of try and hide it, it seems like. And I was like, what a bummer. Boo. It's like, well, yeah. like embrace it. Like, I, I, live- I heard a rumor that there was some place that had like t-shirts or stickers, but it was just like one place and you had to like go look for it, you know? And that's such a bummer. But I'm going to go look for it. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a bummer though. Like, we want- I know. Embrace your cryptids. I mean, look at Point Pleasant. Like, they've totally rocked it. Oh yeah. I had a lovely day at Point Pleasant. I mean, they've got not just the museum, but they've got the Point Pleasant Trading Company and then they do all of the West Virginia cryptids, you know. Yeah, it's so it's so much fun going down there. Like I've in the cafe that has little Mothman cookies with the little red red um red hots eyeballs that are red. Oh, oh my god. Like, hello. I ate like Mothman cookies and I you know, I had a lovely day wandering around downtown. Like I've lived here. I don't know. I've lived like I'm seriously 20 minutes from Point Pleasant and we never really went there. It's such a cute town. Yeah, but we went there. With their little downtown with the amphitheater by the water so you can sit and eat your lunch and oh, watch the boats go by. So I mean, nice. how nice is that? It's so nice. I went down there not too long ago. I was like, why have I not been doing this? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's adorable. I volunteered so. one time at the um, Mothman Festival and mm-hmm. this is my funny Mothman. Was that like totally crazy? It's like mobbed with people. Oh yeah. Like, this mobbed. is my funny Mothman festival story. Do you know the turtle man that was on TV? Either of you? No, no. He was like, kind of like a, um, he was like a hillbilly Jack Hanna. And he like caught, he caught like, Oh, you've won me over already. Yeah, he's, oh, it's <laughs> hilarious. But I was, one of my friends was wearing the Mothman suit and he was like, I need two people to like, guide me around and they have to be dressed as men in black so that they are still kind of in character oh my god this is just getting better and better okay totally count me in so i'm in like the mothman museum getting changed and i'm just sitting there in my underwear eating a um what are they called from mcdonald's the like mcgriddle i'm just sitting there eating mcgriddle Mm -hmm. and a hash brown just like sitting there waiting and this guy comes in and he goes oh i'm sorry and i went you're okay and he's like can i just change my shirt and i went sure man and he takes off this t-shirt and he puts on all these necklaces and he puts on this like flannel shirt or something. And he's got this hat on and I'm like, who are you? Cause I just thought he was co- like a cosplayer. I was like, who are you? And he was like, I'm the turtle man. But who's that? The turtle man, me. And it, it went back and forth like this for like two minutes. And I was like, but who, he's like, who are you guys sitting in your, in his underpants eating McDonald's? Like what? Who's <laughs> <laughs> this crazy guy in his mighty whitey? That never came up. He just stood there in his clothes, just saying, I'm the turtle man. And eventually I was like, but who the hell is he? Came up and he went, in his head. Me live action. And I was like, what does that mean? And he just oh God, live action. And is this guy still around? Cause I'm like totally Googling that. Like, I will have seconds. to later. Like, There's a video online man. and this is the last part of the story. Um, one of my friends dressed up as Nacho Libre. Yay. And we go outside 
we go outside with the turtle man and all these people were like cheering for him and doing this like chant thing for him. And I look at Nacho Libre and I say, who the hell is this? Like, you can see it in the video. It's so funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Poor turtle man. You know, be a local celebrity. I mean, that's the goal, right? Be the lady with the crazy big beehive that everybody knows at parties, you know? Totally. So he was like doing his best to be like Z-list and you you totally ruined it by not knowing who he was he's, in your underpants eating McDonald's. Like, <laughs> I think he's from like Georgia or somewhere, maybe. Oh, okay. All right. Somewhere. So he's not like West Virginia local. No, they you like, should have known. They like brung him in. Like it was a big deal mm-hmm. apparently. And I was just like there to like smash his ego apparently while I'm like you're not a big deal to me Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) reality check (laughs) not me and my McGriddle (laughs) you're on the Z list don't get a big head that's the lesson we need to take out of this because nobody cares nobody cares you're just one I remind myself that a lot I'm like nobody cares like you know write stupid stories nobody cares I that yeah that's daily like living with like that's called being a writer but we're not talking about books nope (laughs) <laughs> she's she's keeping our rules better than we do better than we do yeah we're, a little we're terrible at it and then we're like, well you told me you warned me no talking about bugs <laughs> it's it's so rough sometimes it is <laughs> yeah it's hard it's hard well then let's talk about the next question instead oh geez okay i don't even know what the other ones are because ziggy got me all like down the the rabbit hole of derby where i was like oh i need to get out my photo albums and get the dust off of them because i'm old now <laughs> and oh look at these pictures of when i was young and had the crap beat out of me and had my glamorous leg brace that yeah stinks like sweat now because you can never get that smell out but anyway what's no, the next never. question <laughs> never get that smell out you just throw it away and start over fresh pretty much yes <laughs> every time <laughs> Uh, the next question is, uh, which cryptid would you make a movie with and do you think they'd be a diva? You mean like I'd want to be in charge of the production and I'd be managing this cryptid? I'm, not sure. I'm assuming like, I don't know. And then would it be a cryptid that like, like, do they follow my mythology of the cryptids or do they the actual mythology? Because if it were my mythology, it would probably be, you know, Mothman, duh. Yeah. Because in my universe, he's kind of like sweet and dumpy and, you know, (laughs) down on his luck and brave, you know. (laughs) But if he's like legit scary, uh, I don't know. So, yeah, probably Mothman. And then my second would be Loveland Frogs because I don't think they get enough love. I mean, I heard that somebody did a musical about the Loveland Frogs, but they only performed it one time. So, I mean, if I had a choice, I feel like they should get a little bit more mythology workout and more exposure and maybe turn the city of Loveland into a better tourist trap. So Mothman and then followed by Loveland frogs. If Mothman's agent said that he was too busy. So I don't think he's got a lot of work going right now. Well, you know, that's what I thought, but you never know. The sci-fi mm-hmm. channel hasn't came calling just yet. Oh, Oh yeah. But have you checked like the Amazon erotica list because there's some Mothman themed. Um... <laughs> yep. Chuck Tingle, <laughs> Chuck Tingle strikes again. <laughs> No, it was not even Chuck Tingle. Oh, this no. is wanna be Chuck Tingle. Like in my um in my reader group, like I, I posted I found one of the books and I posted a challenge. I was like, okay, who's gonna read this and report back to the group? And someone did. She was very brave. And she gave us like a full like play by play of like the plot and her analysis. I mean, she did an excellent job. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I think I'm just gonna have to give you a prize. So I sent her like a care package from the Mothman nice. Museum, like to thank her for taking a bullet and reading the book and doing such an excellent like adult book report on such a crappy Mothman erotica n- novel. It was like pounded by the Mothman or something like that. Oh, so, no. oh my anyway, god. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was, it started off as a good concept, but then, you know, it was totally borked up, I guess. It was not a satisfying reader experience as far as the storyline. So I was like, oh, well, it started well, but then wah, wah. <laughs> it reminds me of um, occasionally I'll see somebody's reading that like coronavirus, like I think it's a kind of like a romance and it's got like COVID a COVID romance. Really? Oh yeah. My God. It's got like a green I think it's like a green buff guy on the front and it's literally oh, like pounded by the COVID virus or something. something like that. Yeah. And I Even see though it I'm every vaccinated, now. Blah, blah, blah. It's probably yeah. Chuck Tingle. I got to look that I up. Think and I'm it. like, what on earth? I think Christina read it recently. I think it was the last mm-hmm. person I saw it. Um, and I was like, this is unreal. And they're really short. Like they're not very long. And I was like, I need to read one of these just oh, out yeah. of pure curiosity. Yeah, these erotica people like, yeah. They're making that money. It's like, oh, two ninety nine for ten thousand words. I was like, what? How do I get on that racket? Anyway, we're talking about books again. Oh, I'm looking at it. Okay, so Chuck Tingle has not pounded by anything while I practice responsible social distancing, which is good. And my handsome sentient face mask protects me despite the ridiculous cons- conspiracy theories that he won't. <laughs> he won't also. He pounds my butt. Anyway, and yeah. it's always like. It's always the butt. It's never like just like <laughs> it's always pounds my butt. I, I actually bought one of his books because I was like, these are hilarious. So I bought the one about like that house plant that I never take care of and that I totally neglect, like, you know, pounds me in the butt or whatever. It was about the house plant, the wilted house plant. And I was like, this is hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a great gag <laughs> for anyone in your in your life oh, who yeah. is a plant parent. Oh yeah. Or like me, like a terrible like I can grow anything outside like anything like I have a banana stupid banana tree not a banana tree excuse me a coconut palm tree on my porch that like a dumbass I bought like when I was visiting my friends in New Orleans because you know I go back every once in a while because I lived there for so long but I went to the nursery and like a dumbass I bought a coconut that had a little sprig coming out of it and they're like coconut palm and I was like oh that'll make a cute house plant so I looked it up online they're like oh house plant to live about a year in a pot and then it'll die I've had that thing for like four years it's like 10 feet tall living in a pot on my front porch. I was like, oh, I can't grow an aloe vera or a spider plant inside, but I can grow a stupid coconut tree that won't die. And it like lives half the year inside my house. And I have to, it weighs like 500 pounds. It's 10 feet tall. And I have to wheel it inside for the winter. And I'm like, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm the house plant killer, but I, anything yeah, outside same. I can grow. Yeah. I can. And I'm the opposite. I can grow plants inside. All of my plants inside are thriving somehow. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's just because honestly, I ignore them. Like, oh, I think just, they do better when I just, yeah. yeah, I'll go every now and then and give them like, Hey, are you doing well? Okay. Bye. And like, mm-hmm. that's that I throw some water in there occasionally when they're looking a little down, but mm-hmm. all of my succulents and cactuses outside are dead. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't know like how, and it's funny because like, they'll seem okay. And then I'll be like, Oh, it's been about six months. You're probably thirsty. Give it mm-hmm. just a tiny bit of water. And the thing has drowned. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. Like, yeah, I can grow anything outside. Like I, one year, like I decided to see how much food I could grow in my food garden and it wasn't that big. And I grew 300 pounds of food. Oh my God. <laughs> and 20 pounds of it was lettuce. So that tells you how much lettuce I had. Uh, yeah. So I can grow anything. I have like huge gardens full. Like I have like pollinator gardens in the front and back. I have like four apple that. trees and I pick all the apples every year and I make, you know, applesauce and apple butter from scratch. It's all out of my own yard. Like I can do all of that, but inside nothing inside you give me a spider plant and they, it dies. I'm like, really a spider plant? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> You just have to this ignore is it. like house plant 101 like these things grow in space on the space station but they can't grow in my bathroom nope <laughs> right. well let's yeah. space station keep a coconut tree going this yeah 
Yeah, but the, it's like the coconut tree is living just to spite me. Like, bitch, it should have left me in Louisiana because then I'd be in somebody's yard and I'd be happy <laughs> and well-rooted in a tropical climate. But you had to drive me to Ohio. I just picture it like, um, you know, the scene in Troll 2 with the kid that's in the plant. Oh, my God. Get me out of this plant. Yes, Troll 2. You went, you went Troll 2. You went there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the second. See, that movie, I have problems with that movie because I'm like, okay, so the trolls need to eat plants. Why do they have to go through the work of turning the people into plants when there are plants everywhere? Like, tell me. Oh, no. Listen, have you seen Best... You know why? Because plot. Because they needed a plot. Have you if seen the, Best if they just movie? Ate people- Yeah. Best Worst Movie. It's no. the documentary no, about Troll 2. Oh my God. No, Listen, I think I've bookmarked that, but I've not seen it. You've yeah. got to see that. The person, the woman who wrote it, it was written by a woman in direct. She hated vegetarians, right? Yeah. Like it was just supposed to be a spoof making fun of her vegetarian friends. Yeah, she was okay. like, all my friends, yeah. all my friends became vegetarian and it really made me mad. And you're like, okay. And then she blessed the world with this. Yeah. Yeah. Kira needs to watch it. Like Kira, that's like the first thing you need to add. Too. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, because uh, the viewers will have listened to this, uh, we'll have listened to Brian's by the time we get to this episode. Um, I mentioned on our episode yesterday with Brian that I was going to have our guests recommend movies for me to read. And then I would like, I mean, watch, sorry. And then I will watch them over the weekend and like live tweet my thoughts about them. Um, because I have never, I like have never seen anything like what I, 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 don't oh, know, I know what, what my is. recommendation is right away. <laughs> yeah. I just ready like, when it, what is it? I'm ready. Frankenhooker. Yes. The greatest. <laughs> Frankenhooker is one of my all time favorites. I could watch that movie a thousand times. Oh, it's and so good. Find joy every, every single time. And I can't tell you how many Halloweens I have dressed up as Frankenhooker. That's incredible. Along with my friends. And we were just like a herd of Frankenhookers going, want a date? Got any money? Looking for some action? Like, oh my God, it's a classic. I'm already ready for this. So he sent so me much yesterday. Love. Yeah. Uh, after our, um, after we recorded, he sent He's me making a you watch for too, isn't he? That's a reanimator and oh, reanimator. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the burning. Oh, okay. The burning. Yeah. So. I'm going to check those out this weekend and begin right. my, my watch. Cause yeah, I just like, I, I, for some reason just like, am not, I guess I, I think it's just cause I have a really short attention span. So I get like 20 minutes into a movie and I'm like, I'm going to go clean the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Reanimator is Stuart Gordon, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So our Stuart Gordon reanimator story is that um, for years and years, I mean, years and years, like I, I have gone to this 24 hour horror movie festival, like every October, it's really 25 hours. You, you go into the theater at like noon and then you're there until noon the next day. And it's like just back to back horror movies. And they've got like a scream contest and costume contest. And then they've got special guests like, so that come and talk about the movie, like after you watch it. And it's always like somebody amazing, like Stuart Gordon, or like the last one I went to was, uh, the DP for uh, day of the dead. Like, so anyway, great like campy people but anyway i guess our claim to fame is that the guy that i would always go with brian um my fellow horror geek friend and he actually wrote a book that i could talk about but um yeah so he went into the bathroom and he came out looking freaked out he was like oh my god i just met Stuart gordon i was like oh my god that's so exciting because you know he's been a fan of his work forever he's like at the urinal peeing he's like hmm so he like went into pee and Stuart gordon like stepped up next to him to pee and he was just like oh like too horrified and he's like i still have to pee i have to go back in because i was too scared to like me 
know. But anyway, <laughs> that's our Stuart Gordon story. It's not very that's clever. That's hilarious. So I was like, oh, Brian, that's so sad. I have the same story with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> oh, my God. I love him. I, love him. When I was When I was a kid my grandmother took me to a wrestling event in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And um, mm-hmm. we went to the steakhouse beforehand. And I was, I went in to pee and I, all the urinals were filled. So I went into a little stall and I came out and the rock was standing there washing his hands. And oh I was my God. Like, awesome. I just stared at him and he looked at me like he, like he could tell a little kid was looking at him and I went, mm-hmm. you're the rock. And he said, I am. Did you use the restroom? And I said, yes. And he went, did you wash your, wash hands your hands yet? And I said, no, <laughs> come over here, just come over here real quick and wash your hands. And then you can oh, introduce yourself sweet. to me. So I washed my hands and told him my name was Damien. And he was like, great to meet you, Damien. And then he walked away. That's awesome. That's sweet. And it's like, <laughs> really when I was like, young, but older than you, I would go to wrestling um, when they'd have it at the Superdome when we lived in New Orleans. And my friend, I have this friend, Marty, and he was like the guy he didn't want to just go to a thing. Like I'm happy to go sit in the nosebleeds or whatever. Cause I just want to be there. And I'm also kind of a cheapskate, but he's like the guy. No, no, no. He's like captain. We have to have front row seats, whatever. So we would go to these wrestling things and he would pay to like, get us like right there in the front, you know? And sometimes the cameras were on the opposite side. So we'd be like on the cast, like, you know, like holding up our signs right by the ring or oh, whatever. I- <laughs> and I remember I'd always like have a rock sign, like pointing at me, like cook this, like, whoop. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and one time, like I'd call my mom every Sunday because it was like before the days of like free long distance and that was the cheap day. And she'd be like, um, one time she's like, were you um at a wrestling thing last night? Like somewhere? And I was like, yeah, how'd you know? Because I hadn't told her about it yet. I was going to call and tell her. She's like, I was changing channels and I saw you on TV. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. That's hilarious. (laughs) It was like Marty in his front row seats. You know, my mom, mom and I got a funny story out of it. But anyway, what was that question? It was about cryptid movies. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I've only met one famous person. And I guess technically he met me. Um, Mm -hmm. I was, I don't know. What a power. He was lucky. No, no, no. This is why. This is why. So, so I was in my early teens, I think. And, um, my dad took us to a movie premiere in Vegas for something or to go see a movie. I don't quite remember, but my brother, um, it ended up being like one of the, uh, movie premieres for one of the, um, one of the George A. Romero films. I don't remember which one it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was probably like 2002, 2003, whatever. Well, dad already then. sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, land of the dead. Like, yeah, yeah. it might, well, yeah, no, it, maybe before land of the dead. Cause that was, I'm not exactly sure. Not 2002. Um, anyway, but, um, he was there and my brother is a huge George Romero fan and everyone was calling him and calling him and he wasn't like coming up to anyone. And, um, my dad told him to call him Mr. Romero and my brother did. And he actually turned around and shook my brother's hand, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, my brother cried cause he was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And, um, then I was standing there and I won't lie. Like at that time I was, I was in a whole different, like in, like in my head, I was all about like NSYNC and Britney Spears. And I was like, I don't even want to be here right now. <laughs> like I was turning oh into my God, this is not cool. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was getting out of my, my NSYNC boy band era and turning mm-hmm. into like my emo era. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be here right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I he knows who this Romero guy is anyway. Oh my god. Pretty much, yeah. I was like, why are you crying? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh I saw a hand like in front of me and I and he said, Hi, my name is John. Nice to meet you. And I looked up and it was John Leguzamo. And I was like, Oh my god, Ooh. the pest. I was like, no way. And so that's why I say technically he met me because I was not even paying attention. He stuck his hand out and I was like, Oh hey, it's like I know who you are. And so that's my my only claim to fame is John John Leguzamo met me. <laughs> that is totally cool. Well, that was definitely yeah. land of the dead. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, had to have been. Okay. If John, Le- yeah, it was. The, there were zombies everywhere. Like it was really cool. It was mm-hmm. like right in. I can't remember exactly where in Vegas because, like I said, mm-hmm. it was a long time ago, and I was just a kid. But I don't know if we went to go see another movie or that movie, and it just happened to be going on outside, and George Romero just happened to be there. So, like now, I'm like that was really cool for my brother because mm-hmm. we got to experience that. Yeah, it is crazy. Like but living in New Orleans, it's like nothing but like wall to wall famous people wandering the streets you know yeah <laughs> it's like when you live there you just get to be like meh there's another one you know i lived <laughs> in LA for so a many bit movies there it. yeah it's probably the yeah. same kind of vibe like it, like if they film so many movies there and then like you know i worked um on bourbon street for years and years in the service industry oh, so people would just come into where you work and then there was like a convention every year in january of it was like a tv and movie industry convention and they'd just be in all the bars like making business deals you know so it was like yeah it was a weird experience yeah. Yeah. I didn't like, I, I lived in LA for maybe going on three years and surprisingly, like never saw anybody famous. Like, no, well, I LA saw, is also like, very large. It is. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I is very small. <laughs> I would see people like, Oh, Justin Bieber's walking down, uh, you know, Hollywood Boulevard. And I was like, I was just there. <laughs> like, what do you mean he's mm-hmm. walking down? Hollywood? Like I didn't see him, but mm-hmm. like, I, I thought for sure, like living there, I would have like they make it seem like they're everywhere. And I'm like, they're really not like mm-hmm. they're hiding out behind those, those gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. smart. Yeah. Hiding behind yeah. the dumps. Yeah. Everybody goes to new Orleans and then they only go to one neighborhood in new Orleans. So, you know, yeah. if you're there all the time, you just see people. That's really neat. like, yeah, I have had some run-ins that were interesting. So that's somewhere I'd like to visit one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. I yeah, mean, it's, so cool. it's, it has some dark sides to it, but it, the beauty f- is amazing like it was definitely culture shock moving back to the midwest from new orleans after living there for so long and and basically spending my most formative adult years there because the culture of being yourself and being creative and being a character is so intense there and then coming back to the midwest where everything is very much buttoned up and responsible and and people like in new orleans like people are doing like 10 different things like they do their day job but their day job is not their life and that's the culture for everybody like their day job they may enjoy it and like it but it's their money but then in their off time they're doing all kinds of interesting things they're in mardi gras cruise they're making new art things like they're they're making things and doing things and like involved in a whole bunch of things you know that are all creative pursuits like like one of my friends is 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 in this this dancing parade group of ladies just called the camel toe steppers and they march in parades and wear silly costumes and they're adults. Like, so they do that on the weekends. They practice their routines and make their outfits. And you know, it's like people are doing creative things like that. And then it's like, I moved back to Ohio and I was like, Ohio has many things to recommend it. But like, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, well, I just go to work and then I go home and then that's it. And it's like, Oh my God, boring. And my job, like, I actually got in trouble for being in roller derby because they're like, it's making the company look bad that you're doing this. And I was like, what? Like, I'm like, it's none of your business what I do. So it was like, I'm used to like having a day job and then 
have and then having an interesting life outside of that and then it was like people were telling me that that, that was not the thing to do when I got here and I was like screw that so <laughs> anyway that's a tangent and so. it's very weird because like I live in the midwest like I, clear like I live at the top of West Virginia right on the Ohio River and it's like it's the same way here but there are so many people that are into so much like weird stuff that they kind of I feel like West Virginia has a rich a richer culture like it has more of an edge you know like it it's a state that knows who it is you know well, here, so, <laughs> I feel like it's not as buttoned up you know? it's so unique and interesting because like the last thing you would expect to be popular in northern West Virginia and southern Ohio is anime and like mm-hmm. it is huge here like people love everything that comes from Japan right now in this area like it's like mm-hmm. they're into like Genji Ito and all of the anime stuff and it's like really neat to see like it's like that is so like I never would have. Yeah, there's so much good stuff coming out of that. And I think now it's so much easier. Like, fandom is so much easier now because of the internet. Like, it's so much easier to find cool things. And if you're interested in something, to go down the rabbit hole of finding more and more and more cool things like that, which is a beautiful thing when harnessed for good. But, like, if think about being like, I'm probably a little older than you if you were a kid when you met The Rock, but. I was like in the 90s and early 2000s, like before smartphones and the internet, fandom was much harder. Oh, like so it was hard. literally like VHS horror movies, like in paper bags, like passed between friends, like bootleg copies, because you just couldn't, you couldn't get stuff on demand or find stuff. You know, you you were basically having to read the, you know, the fan mags or the zines that people put out or like work really, really hard to find the things, you know? Yeah. Which is beautiful in a way, but now it's like, oh, it's so much easier. Like, to find the things that you want to find and to discover new things. So, I mean, that might be part of it because the Japanese and anime stuff is, I mean, it's gone beyond anime. Now it's like, you know, teens are reading like the Japanese light novels, which I'm like, I love the concept. It's like, Oh, ordinary person, something happens. They step into a magical world running alongside it. I was like, that's what they are. I'm like, how cool, you know? (laughs) And now you can walk into a bookstore here and find them. I was like, I don't think that you could have done that so much. Like, in the nineties, you know, no, that's what I mean. Like it's like, so it's a like, new era of fandom. It's, yeah. And it's like, I never would have expected that to be the fandom that kind of hit the mm-hmm. Midwest. No, that's yeah. And that's it's probably true. It's just really neat to see. Like, I don't know. There's in Pomeroy, which is like this really small town across the river. There's a store. Oh, called, I know Pomeroy. Yeah. There's a store called Kauai and it's like mm-hmm. nothing but like just kind of pop culture stuff, but mostly from Japan. And it's, mm-hmm. and that's so interesting. Cause it's like, wow. In Pomeroy. Yeah, like you see in business in Pomeroy selling like, you know, like anime stuff. It's so neat to see. Yeah, but if you're like a little retail store like that and you be, you be also become a hub for the community, I mean, that's the yeah. magic. When people hang out there and then meet other people, that's the magic. Oh, yeah, for sure. Really of, of that and of places like that because people are looking for places to meet other geeks like them, you know, like they, because subculture and geeks, that's the glue that helps all of us weirdos make it through life. Yeah. <laughs> We just, I just did a con like this past weekend. It was in Rio Grande, which is like, it's a, it's 45 minutes from me. That's where, it's where I go to school actually. Mm-hmm. And they put together this little, not Rio. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name because I just popped into my head, but it's called final boss con. And he, this guy mm-hmm. just put it together all on his own. Just uh, Mackenzie Haley. That's who it is. He put it together all on his own, got traveled around to all these other cons and got vendors and they sold a thousand tickets at the door. That's awesome. For this like video game and like pop culture con. It was insane. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is like, that's so cool. That's awesome. 
I love people who can pull things together like that. Like I'm not really great at event planning outside of like parties and stuff, but I'm like, you know, yay, yay to these people. Totally. Like, we rely on those people, you know, yeah. totally. <laughs> they're like the hubs. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, oh, more questions. Ugh. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I realized until last night when I saw your tweet, I was like, oh crap, that's what we're going to talk about. People are just going to ask me random questions. <laughs> we weren't you chewing fingernails. <laughs> See, we were doing this originally and just going on tangents, and then there'd be those awkward silences, and someone would go, "So, like, so." The so hmm. question is a very good way to break like up a, the yeah. awkward silence. It <laughs> like when you're at a bad work Christmas party, like, oh god. <laughs> so let's see. Um, Tessa asked, "What monster is your spirit animal? Do you go <sighs> old school Universal style or newfangled slasher style? I Dracula, to- Frankie, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Freddy, Jason." The silent aliens from a quiet place. <laughs> oh yeah, she had quite a list. I was laughing. So. <laughs> well, my favorite and spirit monster, my number one guy is Godzilla. Obviously, I mean, my derby name was Girlzilla, and um, I've been watching Godzilla movies like since I was a little kid because that Saturday afternoon TV, you know, where they play yeah. bad monster movies and whatever. So, I mean, I love Godzilla. Like, epically love Godzilla. I have you know, figurines and a whole, like I built shelves around my fireplace so I could put up my Godzillas. So (laughs) he's my number one. And of course, you know, once you're into that, then it's like, oh, Ultraman, which is basically, you know, a robot guy from space, like fighting ripoffs of all the Ultraman, I mean, of all the Godzilla monsters. So (laughs) I have a bucket full of Ultraman figures, all monsters. So yeah, I love like the kaiju monster stuff. That's my number one. Of course, I love Universal I mean, I love so much of horror and for so many different reasons, but my number one guy is Godzilla and my number two guy is the creature from the Black Lagoon. I can relate because to that. I like that. Something, yeah. Like if you watch Creature from the Black Lagoon and I'm 100% convinced, okay, so the first scene or whatever is him killing some natives. Like I am convinced that they had to add that scene after it was filmed because otherwise he's too sympathetic of a character because the humans roll into his lagoon and they start dropping poison and harpooning him and casting nets. They kill all the fish, you know, the, the humans in that story are complete dicks. Like they go in and they just rip stuff up and poison everything. And he's really kind of the good guy most of the time. So I'm like, I feel like that scene in the beginning was added on to make him a bad like seem like a monster because he's very sympathetic and i think guillermo del toro caught that same vibe and that's why he did shape of water and made him like a the character he was in that i was like because that's the the creature that i envisioned you know (laughs) so yeah i love the creature and then of course you know watching that movie like i'm mesmerized by watching that film because if you think about when it was filmed in the 1950s and the film tech at the time like they had to, those underwater scenes are gorgeous and they had to actually film them with a guy in a suit <laughs> swimming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no faking it. There was no, you know, they're beautiful, beautiful, beautiful f- sequences of film. So I love the creature. I have a lot of creature things like in my life I have, but one Halloween, you know, I live like um, down the street from a school. So I get buses, of kids going by in the morning and afternoon. And of course, Halloween is my, my jam. 
So I have a huge yard display and I love watching the kids like, oh, like stare out the bus window, press their faces as they go by, like trying to get a look at all this stuff. So every year, like I try to go out when the buses go by, like when it's close to Halloween day or it's trick or treat night and I dress up in a costume for the kids on the bus. So one year I was like, I'm going to be the creature. So I bought one of those detailed like rubber creature masks and I put it on and the bus is going by and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, like I'm waving and I was like, I'm like starting to get dizzy and like lightheaded. And I realized I'm like, those rubber masks, I could not breathe. Like I was suffocating to death. And I was like, they almost like came by to like a, pa- a lady passed out wearing a rubber creature mask, like dead, like suffocated in the gutter. Cause I was like, oh my God, I can't breathe. I'm like, then I look, I'm like the little holes like to breathe were like so small. I was like basically dying of, yeah, dying in that creature mask. So I almost died. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, almost died for the picture, but I love him. It's, I love him. And then the worst part is like in the second one, they take him to the aquarium and it's like, why did you expect him not to be pissed? Yeah, why? He's totally <laughs> just in all those movies. Like rip shit up and destroy them because they're total dicks. I should have just left you alone. This is like an allegory for man versus nature. Like uh-huh. leave nature alone. This is like, watch it now with like fresh eyes knowing about climate change and environmental destruction. And I was like, okay, these, you know. The white people are just looking worse and worse in these movies. <laughs> white people and the damage done. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It's like, we really are never going to learn as a species, are we? Yeah, we never are. No. Yeah. I totally, after after we record this, it's in a little bit of disrepair because I've been kind of like reorganizing my room and like figuring out which stuff I'm doing other things with. But I'll send you a picture of like my Godzilla wall. I have so much Godzilla mm-hmm. stuff. So I totally relate. We were just talking. Like, me. I knew I liked you. Yeah, I knew I liked you. Instant connection. There's yeah. like We were talking like, when were we talking about this on the podcast about my Netflix ban because they ruined my Godzilla physical media collection? Oh, I think that was with Koi, wasn't it? I was so mad. And I still am. I still don't have Netflix because of it. Well, when Godzilla King of Monsters came out, like right before that, I was diagnosed with cancer and I thought I was going to die. And I was like, I'm going to be that guy in the news that they like, they like release the movie early just for me for screening and then I die like right before release day like I was convinced I was like my goal was to live to see Godzilla King of Monsters like in the theater (laughs) I was like I will live to see that movie so I lived to see that movie so I take my mom on opening night in the IMAX and of course my mom god bless her I love her but she loves to like read like reviews and the star ratings of movies before she watches them. So we're walking into the theater and she's like, I don't know. Like they didn't give it very good reviews. They only gave it like two or three stars. Like it's not very, I was like, shut up mom. I was like, like, forget it. Like don't ever listen to the reviews for genre movies because fans of the genre know what they want and expect and what happy but that's not what makes literary or critical filmmaker people happy like unless they're part of the fandom they don't know what a good movie is to us and she's like well I suppose that's true so I was like okay so I lived to see it and I was like had tears in my eyes because it was like so beautiful and seeing all those monsters like rendered not in rubber suits as much as I love the rubber suits but how you envisioned them like when you were a kid I was like oh my god it was like a magical experience and then like at the end we like did opening night IMAX like max experience and at the end when it was over, everybody in that theater stood up and clapped and hooted like, Whoa! and she was like, oh, I guess the reviews were wrong. I really liked that. I was like, yeah, see, because everybody here in IMAX on opening night is a Godzilla fan. Like, and this movie was everything that we wanted it, it to was, be. Yeah. Like, oh, like when I went and seen it, yeah. when I went and seen it in theaters, I had kind of a sim- similar experience. Like when Mothra finally like comes out of her cocoon oh and she's God. flying over the ocean, she's flying over the ocean. I like, it was so powerful to me because like as a little like, kid, you're like, 
Mothra. Yeah, I was totally like getting teared up, and like the part where um, it's where they're reading like the poem. I can't remember off the top of my head, and it's showing King Ghidorah, and he's like mm-hmm. over top of that like church, and it zooms mm-hmm. past, and you can see that cross, and he's right there. Like I was like, this is everything that I wanted King Ghidorah to ever be when I was growing up, and like mm-hmm. I just sat yeah, there feeling like, every- oh, this is so overwhelming and great. Yeah, yeah. So fandom gotta love it so Godzilla well, and creature are my answers but i always uh, dress up like bride of frankenstein when i dress up so which is also a great a great choice and that's my that's my default because you know i also have long dark hair so if i don't want to wear the wig i can literally make my own hair look like bride of frankenstein so uh, i love that <laughs> well on the topic of monsters brian asked do you believe they inhabit our closets or wait beneath our beds um, I only heard part of that, but I think it was the monster question. Oh, uh, yeah. It said, uh, do you believe they inhabit our closets or wait beneath our beds? I would say probably under our beds. Because if I'm a monster and, and I'm going to wait till you're asleep to come get you, I'm just, you know, I'm lazy. I'm just going to go straight up. Like, I don't want to have to like worry about opening the door of your closet. Like, do you have hinges that squeak? Am I going to tiptoe across your squeaky wood floor and then you're going to wake up? Like, I mean, I'm a monster. I'm trying to like work smarter, not harder. So I'm going to get you like by being under your bed because I don't have to travel as far and I don't have as many obstacles that might wake you up before I can get you. So I think that's my my thought on that. I mean, maybe you're more ambitious monsters and you need the closet, but not me. So I feel like portals would come into play. Yeah. Yeah. But portals, I mean, is there light or sound with that? You don't want to wake up your victim. I mean, you want an easy... You know? True, and the under the bed might shield that. Like it might be like. I mean, I'm not Freddy here. Like I don't want some complicated dreamscape. I'm not that guy. Like I'm like work, get in, get out, get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a very movie worthy monster because I don't like complicated scenarios. Like even in my own life, when people like hatch plans, I just look at them like, like, are you crazy? Like we're gonna do this, this, this. Like a bo- like this, this is much faster and more efficient. Like <laughs> that's the kind of monster I would probably be. <laughs> I get that. I really like the that you thought about the hinges squeaking on the door. Like I would never have thought of that <laughs> ever. Have doors, and what if it's one of the slat ones and it's got two sets of hinges? You know, you're right. Like the folding doors. Yeah, no, too much work. That, that WD forty on there. <laughs> yeah, but then that smells. WD forty stinks. Yeah, it does. I don't know. There's like monsters listening scent. to the podcast. Like, where's my WD forty? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Martin Shannon asked, oh, "What was your favorite Robert? What was your favorite roller derby takedown, and why was it illegal?" Jeez. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> Martin. That's my writing buddy. <laughs> he writes uh, tales from weird Florida. Yeah, Dead Set is his first in series. But anyway, yeah, Martin. Um, the takedown that we were allowed to do season one, which was then deemed illegal by um, the governing body of flat track roller derby. I forget what it was called, but you'd basically roll up behind another lady and you would wrap your arms around her like you'd be touching and you wrap your arms around and then you'd sit down while you're skating. So she'd basically, if it worked out correctly, she would land in your lap. It was like a drop, you know, like you grab her and you drop. That would hurt. And you'd take the penalty. So it was a penalty, but you'd have to use it strategically. Like, you know, use it strategically in a way that you'll get the penalty and go in the penalty box. But you guys, it was worth it because it might make you win. So, I mean, I really like that one and we really like that one and we used it pretty effectively. The problem is that people don't, when you grab them from behind and you're rolling at however many miles an hour, people don't just 
hold still and sit down in your lap. <laughs> it ends up with a lot of legs kicking and, you know, then you end up rolling around on the floor fighting. But, you know, fans like that. It's like NASCAR. Everybody's in it for the crashes. So I think that was the one. That was our our signature move. My team was the band of brawlers. And we, uh, yeah, that was our move. So, but now it's illegal. It wasn't then. So, but it was a penalty. So you'd have to spend a minute in the penalty box. So it's worth it. It sounds like it was worth it. <laughs> it's too bad it's illegal now. Um, I would have done it every time. We heard it. Right, bone. That's why it's illegal now. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> makes sense. Um, and then the last question I mean, is: skater, from- What percent of metal do your skaters need to be before you're just like you know a cyborg, and then you're disqualified for that? So you know we have to keep the percentage of metal down in our. Yeah, in the bodies of our skaters, so, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true, right? Like, I can only imagine how many injuries, like, as a whole, there have been. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, in its entirety. <laughs> I mean, it's not if it's going to happen to you. It's when and how bad. Like, yeah. everybody. It happens to everybody. Literally everybody. Yeah, I, I can't imagine rolling around that fast and, like, having contact. Contact you're ever going to be lucky enough to not get an injury. Like there's no, you yeah. just pray that it's not, not a terrible one yeah. <laughs> that you can, yeah, you can hop back from it. So, <laughs> um, so Scott, the Scott that writes asked, what's your favorite Tiki bar? Oh, Scott. Yeah. Scott is my writing partner as well. I guess he was reading my tweets today. He's got a new book out. So, um, my favorite Tiki bar. That is so easy. Okay. So, I live in Columbus, Ohio, and there was a place here called the Kahiki, and it was built in the 1960s, and it looked like like a Polynesian like building, like a hut, like you know, like I don't know if you're familiar with like Polynesian architecture, like it would look like that, and it had two giant um, Easter Island heads that were like 10 feet tall on the outside, on either side of the front door, with flames shooting out of the top of them at all times. And then you walk in and it was a tropical tiki like paradise on the inside, like everything you could possibly want. There were like fish tanks built into the walls. There was a pond lagoon with a waterfall um, in the middle of the dining room. And the back of that had like a two story tall, like Mari, like, you know, like tiki head that was a fireplace. So yeah. And his mouth was like the fire. So then there was like, you know, this pond and there'd be like an island floating on the pond with a band on it. Like, you know, guys in Hawaiian shirts, like playing like Polynesian music. Oh God. It was, mm, it was the best. That's so cool. <laughs> it was the absolute best. I mean, it, there's, there are some, you know, in the sixties, there were a lot of these around the country. There's some, there's one outside of Chicago. I think it's still there. Like, I think it's Hala Kahiki. Um, and it's still decorated like, like that. And it's, I mean, it's not as majestic on the inside, but it's pretty good. So that was my favorite absolute favorite but uh the family that owned it sold it and walgreens bought it and tore it down to put a walgreens there because you know you know what makes america more interesting is more walgreens but anyway i'm not living under the crippling weight of capitalism (sighs) oh my gosh and yeah even the bathrooms were themed like like you'd go to the sink and it was a shell shaped sink and then the the water for the sink came out of a little tiki head guy came out of his mouth. I mean, it was perfect. The food was like, you know, generic, like, like Chinese food, like it wasn't great. But everybody went there for like proms and anniversaries and special occasions, because it was just so great. (laughs) Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of good new 
you know, there's kind of a tiki revival and there's some good new ones. So like for new ones, I really like Frankie's Tiki Room in Las Vegas. Um, it's like really tiny, but it's got like leopard print carpet, which is close to my heart. And they've like made all the booths into like little, you know, rattan, like mini tiki huts, you know, and they have this epic um, mug that's a, it's, um, it's a tiki head, but it's a slot machine. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's like a slot machine. I'll have to like send you guys a picture of it. So, but, yeah. You know. Oh, there's good stuff. And uh, yeah, so I, I have a room, a tiki room in my house and I have all the shelves up, you know, with all my tiki mugs and stuff. Cause I go to these places and I get the mugs and I also get vintage mugs for places and you know, yeah. I, I love that stuff. So Scott knew you what to ask. A- I love tiki. <laughs> he had me at leopard print carpet. Yeah. I love leopard carpet. So I was actually in a carpet store a couple years ago because I needed something for my basement and I saw that they sold leopard print carpet. So for my tiki room, I'm ready to replace the carpet in there and I think I'm getting leopard print carpet. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Right? So it'll be my tiki mug leopard carpet. Squee! Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) Anyway. My my house is an experience. (laughs) My house is is an artistic sensory experience. Let's just say that. Like my office for writing is is my horror room. And then, uh, uh, yeah. And I just put, I have a banana themed kitchen. I just put a wall of banana print wallpaper in my kitchen. So, oh my God. <laughs> I love that. It's scratch and sniff banana print wallpaper. So, what? is it really? Bananas if you scratch it and sniff it, which was a little overwhelming. I'm not sure I like the smell because, like, as when it, the lady installed it, she was fantastic. But it's like the first like week after she installed it, I was like, oh, I think I'm like dizzy from all the banana smell in my house. Like, it's like, it was just reeking of the banana. Yeah. But it looks cool. So, that was That's probably a TMI. Really tiki question. Thanks, Scott. You got me going. <laughs> and who else? Totally on a tangent. And now I have to go buy leopard print carpet and I'm going to send him the bill because I need it. Need. Need. Yeah. I. Go ahead. I need. I was going to say, I need to smell this wallpaper now. Like, I well, will not know, rest until yeah, it smells like it. 1980s, like scratch and sniff sticker, which. I'm like hoping the smell goes away though, because I'm like, oh, it can't be good. I don't know what's in there. It's safe, but you know, yeah. it's cool. <laughs> it, it's so, that's so cool. The last time I messed with scratch and sniff was um, the Criterion release of John Waters' movie Polyester. Oh no, it, you didn't. It comes with scratch and sniff, and one of them was just pizza, and it sent me over the edge. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I am not smelling any more of that. I'm done. Like it was just like. Of all the things from a John Waters movie that has a scratch and sniff card to turn my stomach, it was the pizza. You're lucky that that's what it was. Oh, it got worse, and I wasn't smelling any of it. It got so much worse, and I was like, nope, not smelling that. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Uh, that like, I guess it seeped into my life in ways, because I'm like, I still, like, if, if I have, like, a mule-type high heel, I still call it, like, hand me my cha-cha heels. Like, it's like... Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I, I do it without thinking. It's like, these are my cha-cha heels, you know? I love it. Um, did you have a question, Damien? I don't know. Oh, we had a questions already. Oh, uh, nobody yeah. loves me. and wanted to answer me a question. We went right through them, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of cool that we've been getting so many. Boring. Like the first, couple, the first couple, we didn't really have any, but now it's like, well, Koi, we we did have some for Koi. New podcast. I mean, that's it's hard to get things in the beginning. Oh, know? yeah. Once you guys are famous, you'll be like, too cool to answer my messages. They'll be like, oh, whatever, too good for you. Yeah. Left you behind. That's no, trust me, that's nowhere even near true. No, <laughs> no not at all. True. Well, first of all, we're never going to get famous. <laughs> Second, even if we do, we're not, 
Even if remember, we we're aiming for the Z list. We're aiming to be the lady that people talk about because she wanders around in her cat eye glasses with rhinestones <laughs> and her yellow beehive wig that's three feet tall. Be yeah. a character. And even if we know? do, even if by some chance we do get famous, like we have such low self esteem and anxiety issues that we'll just be like, nobody likes us. <laughs> Still. Oh my gosh, isn't that just like mm-hmm. the prerequisite for a writing career? Is like you have to be an introvert who like seriously has uh, is riddled with self-doubt like yep. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's the job description oh you know what the, really, really is. the worst thing is that like i've kind of become an extrovert i'm better in print <laughs> i have i'm extroverted now and i have low self-esteem and like self-worth issues so it's like i want to talk to people but then i'm convinced when i do that they're like wow that was a miserable experience <laughs> i think you're overthinking things <laughs> it's you need to stop overthinking things i am so. the master like you haven't talked to me much, but I'm sure you've already picked up on that, that I am like the king, the emperor of the universe of overthinking. Uh, I get that way too. I try to, I've, I've learned strategies to turn it off, you know, uh, mostly without them. alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> send them our way. Right. <laughs> a bar in my basement that I have well-crafted. To look, yeah. Teach me, like give me I like a 24 um, step program or something so that I can like mm-hmm. not think every interaction I had was problematic or annoying. Mm-hmm. Well, or just get to the point where even if it is, you just don't care. I think that's where I am. It's like, oh, well I tried I'm, too bad. Yeah. So sad. You know, there are some things that I'm getting, like some things I'm getting like that. Like, I was talking yesterday about if I was a movie character, I think I'd be Samantha from Night of the Comet because I would just want to go shopping and be sassy all the time. And like, I think I'm hitting this point in my life where I'm just like, I say something and put it out there. And if someone's mad or like, I feel that they are annoyed by it. I'm just like, well, I said it, whatever. (laughs) Night of the Comet is my favorite Christmas horror movie. My sister and I love that movie. Like so hard. Yeah. I love so. it so much. Yeah. I meant to send Brian that picture and now I have to send it to you too. I dressed as Sam for Halloween a couple years ago. <gasps> oh my God. Complete you. Yeah. Did outfit. you see that she just bought back her, um, her outfit from that? Yeah, totally. Like from a private collection. Totally. Like she did like a fundraiser and managed to get the money to get her costume back. I was like, that's awesome. She's so cool. Yeah, like that made me happy. I sent her a copy of one of my books cause I named the character after her and she was so supportive of it. Posted it and like, we chat a little bit here oh, and that's there. Awesome. And she's just so sweet. Like we'll chat a little bit and like talk about cats. And she's just like, I don't know. Like you just feel like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to express this. It's nice like, to know there are nice people in the world. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like you kind of get the vibe. That always a warm feeling. Like, moderately like, Oh man, I'm having a bad day. She would be sweet about it and be like, why? And like, try mm-hmm. to talk, and, like talk to you. Like she seems like a good, a good person for, mm-hmm. you know, that's awesome. For such a, Awful yeah, world. that movie is close to my heart. So, it's like my biggest comfort food movie. I watch it so much, so much. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's another one I need to see. <laughs> oh, totally! You, you have to see that. You would love it. Yeah, I'll have to add that to my my growing list. Gosh, yeah, boy, do we have a list for you? <laughs> Lots to add to that list. Yeah. yeah, like we start doing the podcast, and she's like, "I haven't seen that many movies," and I was like, "Oh." You, you're doing a podcast with the wrong person right now. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me something to look forward right. to. I guess. Uh, okay, my question. I'll just make it up on the spot. Favorite oh Ultraman villain? Oh. Let me look up the names. There's a guy. <laughs> well, you know, in like the, the pilot, it's like a big, basically a lobster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
a man lobster, which I think is pretty funny. But okay, so the deal with Ultraman is that for the first season, they basically copied, did bad copies of all the Godzilla villains, which I totally understand. But then once people were like, oh, we love Ultraman, because, you know, Ultraman is huge and is, is still, they're still making new Ultraman oh, yeah, stuff. Insane. So it's like, okay, if you have a weekly TV show and you have to come up with a new monster every week, Eventually, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> Once you burn through all the Godzilla ripoff is, you know, villains, then what are you going to do? So they got pretty crazy with some of them. And like, there's a guy that's like a, he looks like a tree, but he's a tiki's because like, like a totem pole thing. So but he's not my favorite. My favorite where I was like, what is dino tank? <laughs> oh, nice. That's literally the tank with the dinosaur on the top. Nice. I was like, oh, my God. Like they did this so they could make toys. And yes, I have the Dino Tank toy. <laughs> my favorite. Because, yeah. <laughs> my favorite of all time Ultraman villain is from the first and second seasons. And it's mm-hmm. Kan- Kanuga? Kanaga? I can't pronounce his name. But he's that little, like, brownish orange guy. And his head looks like the classic, fl- classic flying saucer. And he's got those little, like, antennas. And he eats pennies. Uh, I don't know why he eats pennies, but he eats pennies. Because he has to do something, right? It's, yeah. He's the best. He has to have something. We need we need the pennies. That's why we have to kill him. He was the best. They started making those fun they started making Funkos based on Ultraman. And I was like, please make mm-hmm. him, please make him. And the first wave, there he was. And it was like okay. holy treasure. Yeah. I have like an Ultraman confession. So there was this there's this toy store in Japan that I used to order from because you just couldn't buy the figures like here that I wanted. So I would go and I would order you know, a couple times a year, like just like a giant box of the figures that I wanted. And um, this toy store in Japan, and they were like 500 yen. So it was like five bucks, like US for these things. So it was worth the shipping because every reseller here was selling them for ridiculous. You could even find them. So one time I had like a big order and apparently the toy store does live drawings of like whoever the orders are that week they put everybody's name in a hat and then if they if pull your name you get like a gift certificate for your next purchase and then they show everybody what you ordered and talk about it so my friend marty the guy who buys the tickets he was like and he loves japanese stuff he was like oh my god i saw you on this toy store thing you won the drawing i was like what so he sent me the video and it was like the guy and he's like oh this is you i was like okay so then he showed them what i ordered it was one of my big boxes and he was like pulling stuff out like oh like oh she's got another one oh my god she's got another one and then he was telling me like telling everybody all these things about the monsters that i didn't know you know i was like oh that's cool so i'm like apparently i got some rare things in that order but it was just funny to like watch the guy's face as he's going through my giant order of ultraman things and he's like who is this broad in ohio that's getting this giant box it was funny but anyway that's my ultraman claim to fame that's so good that is yeah um So let's see. My question will be, what's an irrational superstition you have? Um, well, I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school from first grade to 12th grade and then two Catholic colleges. So I probably have a bunch of weird stuff that I do that is just so ingrained. <laughs> Every time an ambulance goes by, I cross myself because I'm like, oh. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> But I don't know. I think that I, I don't know. I don't know that I call them superstitions. I think that I just try, like just my personality, like I try to think about the big picture and I'm like kind of have too much empathy. So I'm always thinking about, you know, living creatures and other, you know, things and connections. And I don't know, it's hard to describe, but 
I don't know because they're probably I'm doing things and I don't realize it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the most obvious things are the the Catholic things because I stop myself when I'm doing I'm like, oh, I'm crossing myself when there's an ambulance because I'm worried about the person who's inside. And then I, I like when bad things are in my life, like every time I go to New Orleans, I go to the one church that's like my favorite of all of them, which is um, Our Lady of Guadalupe outside of the French Quarter. It's attached to the St. Louis um, famous cemetery where Marie Laveau is buried. But anyway, it's a beautiful church, but it's a shrine to St. Jude who is the patron saint of hopeless causes, which yeah. if there's a hopeless cause, it's me. <laughs> so like I always go in there and light candles for everybody. And, Relatable. You know? And then um, you know, New Orleans has a lot of weird, you know, religious mix and match. But I mean, I love going to like shopping at Botanica's, which are like the kind of voodoo Santeria supply mm-hmm. stores. <laughs> so I love going there and shopping for those yeah. things. Cause, like people have taken Catholic and added this next level other stuff do it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so i don't know like i go i buy stuff from there like you know oh, and i have I it that. around so speaking of weird like things you hold on probably to. wasn't a good answer to your question so, <laughs> so while we're on the- i'm like i do things i don't realize i'm doing them because it's just so deep-seated in there it's totally. ingrained. yeah i get that totally on that subject of like deep-seated religious things and you doing things because of that that you don't realize you're doing Expiling me. <laughs> I knew it. So this is I knew this it. is a segment that I keep like forcing into these things. Uh, Kira does not believe in aliens, so I've been having every guest. I give them one minute to convince Kira that aliens are real. Um, that's easy. Okay, so aliens. It depends on what you think of as aliens. If you mean life on other planets, I mean, duh. Think of how infinite the universe is. And I think that in my lifetime, like NASA is going to discover that there's bacteria and other, you know, sort of creatures like that alive on other planets. I mean, they're pretty close to discovering on Mars that there's bacterial life, you know? So <laughs> we, yeah, there is life on other planets. The question is what form and how developed. Do I think that there's like guys and saucers? I mean, not necessarily, but maybe. But why the hell would they want to come here? I mean, we're a mess, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> but yes, I do think that in my lifetime that they will discover life on other planets. And I think that we're going to start with discovering bacteria and amoebas and things like that. So, I mean, if you think about life on Earth and even on our own planet, we're discovering life in places that we didn't think that life could live. Like on the bottom of the Mariana Trench where those, you know, that lava seeps up through the surface and it's nothing but a toxic stew of like sulfur and chemicals and heat. I mean, there are are creatures that live there and think how inhospitable that environment is. Like that can't be worse than space or other planets, you know? So if life can live there, I'm sure those conditions exist other places. So I think there are living creatures out there. And really, I mean, I hope that there are other smart creatures out there because if this is the height of evolution, what I'm seeing on this planet, I'm just so depressed. Yikes. <laughs> We're capable of such amazing things, but such terrible things. So I hope that there's something more beautiful and more enlightened than us out there. So that's my answer. It's, I'm kind of, yeah, that was probably not what you're looking for, but <laughs> I liked it actually. It was enlightening. I think you were heading. The ultimate question is if it worked, but I think you were heading down the right path for sure with the, with the bacteria and the microorganisms. 
Yeah. But you're thinking alien. I'm thinking, well, the definition of alien is on another planet. And yes, I mean, there have to be bacteria and creatures that live in inhospitable environments like those you find on other planets because there are living creatures in inhospitable environments here that are similar to those conditions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And we are, as a species and as scientists, just discovering those now. Like every day, it's something new and interesting. Yeah. Like, did you see the news story that's like some of those underwater volcanoes that are inhospitable and hot? Like, they've seen sharks, like, just discovered that sharks swim around them. And they're like, we don't understand how because. The shark should be dead, but they're not dead. Even like hammerhead sharks swimming around these underwater volcanoes that they thought would kill them. So it's like, we don't know anything. No, we don't. But that's the beauty is like discovery. You know, there's so much magic out there in real life. Like, it's amazing. Like, that's what keeps me going every day is like these magic things that we're still learning. You know, it's like, that is so cool. Like, we don't know anything. We think we know everything, but we don't, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I love learning about stuff like not so much the ocean because I'm absolutely terrified of it, but it's still neat to hear. Like, you know, like you said, for example, the sharks swimming around and um, I'm all about just when they, you know, discover critters, they thought like even just bugs, they thought were, you know, dead for thousands of years. And it's like, Oh, one just popped up on the side of a cliff somewhere. I'm like, that is so neat. The bird. With his his crunchy shell. You didn't see me. (laughs) Not the crunchy shell though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so but, hopefully yeah. i have convinced you that there is life on other planets now so. i could i can definitely get with the you know the way you described it versus like the flying saucer and the little green man that's the mm-hmm. one i have trouble with i'm like eh. you mean that <laughs> you mean we'll that see. brian didn't work when he just said oh just believe it <laughs> that's it he said, just believe he said, it that was literally what he said, he said just believe yeah. it. oh my god am i like the next level geek that I have this whole like scientific like rationale I was like hey man I'm prepared because I've thought about this like <laughs> I did not know you were going to ask me but I have thought about this no, we, Brian was just very like that's it Brian. you're going to believe it and then that, that's that's as far as we go the first the first yeah. person we did it with was Coy Hall and he had a very like approach like you like it was very good and very like sound science mm-hmm. Ugh, sorry I had heartburn and she was like Okay, I can see that. And then you had heartburn because of the science, because you hate us geeks who like science. Was that part? you were? You just made a noise like, Ugh. "Listen, he was so rational," and I hate I it. Hate, I hate that we live in a time right now where I have to take a pause and say, "I firmly believe in science." <laughs> I firmly believe in science. <laughs> and then the next time we recorded, we had Sabrina Vorman on. Vorman, she's gonna kill me. And she just like started off with, you'll, I believe you'll leave here to a strongly worded email. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh. yeah, the jellyfish one killed me. I was like, what? I was not expecting you to say that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to test it in the segment a different way and make it like, tell us about your craziest belief. Like, well, you know, you've started this now. And if you're six episodes in and this is what you're asking, this is an expectation. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the way people respond will probably be pretty interesting because it's not going to be the same for everybody, mm-hmm. except for that other guy who's apparently a science mind meld geek with me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. clearly and I need to seek him out, be his pal. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he I, it was so funny, like just listening to him. I was like, I, I was even like, you know what? I need more of this. Like I, he's, he, he's a, a professor, right? Yeah. And like I needed to be like in a classroom like with a notebook and a pen, like listening for the next three hours. Cause I was like, wait a so second. Good. It was so really good. good. He should have a TV mm-hmm. show where he just explains things. Cause his voice was, <laughs> was so perfect for it too. Like I was just like, this is yeah. amazing. 
suggest that. I mean, he can basically have his own TV show and a YouTube channel. I would totally watch that. Same. Melodious <laughs> voice explaining things to me intelligently. Hello. I'm turning he, on. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> he has like all of this knowledge too. Like he just like you you ask him one thing and the way he just opens up about it is so like I need to listen to this forever. Like I love it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that was so he, much fun. He found his next He's taking me ghost hunting soon. I did ask him yesterday. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. There's, that's an update from what will be last week's episode, but it'll be yesterday for us recording, and it's it's going to mm-hmm. happen. I'm so awesome. excited. Well, I, I'll report. Yeah, I, I told them that he needs to go live on Instagram while he's ghost hunting, so we can all ghost hunt together and watch what happens. <laughs> But try to make it better than like the ghost hunting TV shows because those annoy me. They're so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I don't I know, but it's gone now. Chat, like, <laughs> to make your voice like super deep too. Like today I'm with Koi Hall. Today I'm ghost hunting with Damien. <laughs> <laughs> Even when my voice goes low, it has that nasal quality to it. <laughs> you have a cold. It's, yeah, I, I always sound like I have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I sound like. I don't like to listen back to my voice, which is why I don't listen to the podcast after we after we post uh, them because I'm yeah. like, Ugh. like I sound like this. You like, need to get over that. I'm talking right now and I'm plugging my nose, unplug nose, plug nose, unplug nose. Like it's all the same. I don't, I don't. Know. Oh, it is the same. I don't know why. I, like I talk without letting air go through my nose. Maybe it's blocked. Maybe I'm just dumb. <laughs> so so hard yeah well okay well i reckon at the 124 mart now mark not mart that's not a mart that's like 7-eleven um i guess go ahead and like plug anything you have <sighs> okay, well, um, my main series that I'm known for is 24-7 Demon Mart, and it's about a corner store in Ohio where the beer cave is also the gate in and out of hell. So, yeah, that's my, it's that's me. So good. <laughs> and there's a ebook, paper book, paperback, and there's an audio edition with the world's best narrator, Todd Habercorn, who, if you are an anime fan, um, you will recognize his voice. So Nice. I didn't know they were an audiobook. I've seen it, but I never really processed. Like, you I need to audiobook? listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Todd Abercorn, he, he did an amazing job. So, because he's a, like a legit actor. So, nice. <laughs> and I can't, like, I can't stress enough. Like, if you like horror comedy, like, that series is near perfection. Like, it's so damn good. My goal is basically to write books that are like B movies, like B horror. Totally movies. get that. So, to put my love of things that I love, like Evil Dead 2 and Return of the Living Dead and that style of horror into a book. And I want you to laugh. So comedy more so. Yeah. <laughs> big monsters, big laughs. That's the, that's the goal. So when I read and uh, when I read, sorry, I just keep interrupting. You're like, no, go for it. <laughs> we're like, we're just, I'm just going to. I'm just going to pour all this love on these books. Like when I, when I read graveyard shift, the first one, I was like, I want to be this person's friend. This is exactly the same thing that I try to write. I want to be your friend. Yeah. B movies in print. Yeah, like that's my goal. B so movies good. in print. So good. So. Yeah. 
Damien was actually the one who introduced me to your work um, pretty early on while we were um, like when we first became friends, actually. And uh, like I was so drawn in by the covers immediately. I was like, I love this. Oh gosh, <laughs> Must yeah. read. And I think the praises of my cover. Artists, so. I really will say like our book, Hot Pink Satan, as in like kind of like this is our this is my plug for our book. It reflects a lot of that same humor. Like it's in the same. Mm-hmm. I guess you'd say wheelhouse. Is that a thing that you'd say? It's a, it's, it would be a distant cousin for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I encourage that because I mean, I look around for books that are horror comedy that have that kind of vibe and there's not a lot out there, you know? <laughs> and I feel like that's an area, especially that's been abandoned by traditional publishing, like the Ailey Martinez, Martinez and Christopher Moore's like, and the more horror comedy, like there's just a very thin, very thin trickle of that like being released by big publishers oh, so sure. i feel like there's a lot of room there if anyone who loves that truly and deeply in their heart you know can write books for that because if you even if you look at the amazon charts it's the horror comedy like very few of them are actually horror comedy most of it's miscategorized romance or whatever you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like we we geeks like you know who love that stuff need to band together and make more books for other people like us because there are people that love that and want to read it you know yeah and it's fun to write like I'd never written a horror comedy before hot pink satanism and at first I was super intimidated because I was like this is Damien's like house like I'm just being invited in and then I ended up loving it and I've even started to put like humor in my own work which is a lot of like grief horror um Mm -hmm. And like, I, I'll read it again and notice that. And I'm like, Hey, that's kind of funny. <laughs> like, I kind of like this. It's, it's, I don't know. It's freeing, I guess, to be able to, yeah, to, I mean, to laugh at horror. It's hard to do humor. I mean, it's very hard. Like 90% of the time I'm like, okay, I'm alone typing in my basement and I'm laughing like an idiot. And I'm like, I'm either a crazy person or this is genius. Like <laughs> you can never know yeah. if you're just a crazy weirdo who's been alone for too long or you're funny until the book is out and people tell you whether you're just batshit crazy. Oh, that was funny. my biggest so, fear. <laughs> yeah. That's my biggest fear whenever like I put out a new book. Like I'm like, are the things that I think are funny, funny. gonna fall flat? Yeah. Like my last book, Cough Bick, <laughs> there's that accent. My last book, Cough and Dodger, I put this part where this guy's mm-hmm. having the speech and he just stumbles. And I was like, that is so three stoogy and dumb and in print that doesn't that's not gonna work. But I left it and like one review said that that was like the one part that made them laugh the hardest. And I was like Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up because literally every book I release, I think it's not funny. Like it's it's not funny. It's gonna fall flat. Like it's only funny to me. Like <laughs> so every single time. Like that's the voice yeah. in my head. Yeah. The struggle is real. I think that's just being a writer in general. I think we all think like does the plot have to be good and the monsters have to be good. You also have to be funny. That's an extra layer. And maybe that's why people don't write humor so much yeah. in their horror. They do straight horror. Because in a lot of ways, I mean, it's it's hard, but it's a little easier than trying to add something funny because there are so many definitions of what people think is funny. So that's true. For sure. I agree with that. For sure. Um, and where can everyone find you at online? Um, the hub is dmgay.com and that's dmguay.com. And you can go there and see all my books and links to all my social media. But I'm on Twitter and I'm Facebook and I'm on Instagram. So, you know. My name isn't that common outside of France and French Canadian areas. There are some other women with that name who are also artists, which is kind of awesome. But um, yeah, if you type in that name on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you'll find me. And then you can always go to my website, 
or Amazon and, you know, all my stuff's there and I have author pages with info. So yay. Awesome. Easy to find. I'm just like a Z-list slut. I'm just out there everywhere. <laughs> like, hey, y'all. Z-list. Yeah, like double Z. Like, you know, we'll just pretend there's A to Z and then there's like double A to double Z. I'm a Z-list celeb- double Z-list celebrity, but I'm out there. <laughs> That's like- I'm trying to make it onto the single digit Z-list. So, yeah. That's the first bubble bath with bath shirt. Z-list slut. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. <laughs> we have yeah, Goodreads too. I'm on there. I always forget about Goodreads. So. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I never plug Goodreads because nobody wants to go read my reviews where I just talk about dumb stuff and then go, oh yeah, this part- You would be surprised who does though, because I just did like a little survey in my reader group and they were like, oh, Goodreads. I was like, oh, maybe I should go hang out there because so many people were like, oh, that's where I found you. I was like, really? Oops. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oops, sorry. <laughs> so if you love Goodreads, I am going to spend more time there because I realize, whoopsie. I kind of kind of disappointed y'all, so I'm going to change that. Uh, let's see. I am on Instagram at Midnight Books underscore and Coffee, uh, Twitter uh, underscore Midnight Reads, and there are link trees in my bios on both where you can find uh, my book and short stories and anything else that's on there. I think TikTok and Goodreads is on there as well. Cool. I'm at Instagram at Damien Thulu and Twitter at DC Ugly Books. And I think I have good reads. I don't, I'm real bad. So maybe don't find me on there. I'm not sure you do because I looked for you. Ha ha ha. And I didn't see you claim your author author profile. So I think you need to take care of that. Oh man, have I not? Maybe you didn't. Maybe I'm misremembering, but somebody I'll look for today, and I think it was you, was like, oh, they don't have their Mine name. is actually... Maybe I'm wrong. Mine is Damien Space Space Casey, because there's another Damien okay. Casey, and he's getting a plug right now, because he writes books about a magic piano, and that's really cool, but mm-hmm. <laughs> our books kept getting... The other Damien. What if you guys meet, and you're like the same person? That would be weird. That would be so weird. He's in Australia, mm-hmm. though, so I think I'll be okay. Okay. You'll have a war of the accents. It'll be awesome. I feel so bad because he was around before me and I didn't realize it until I put my first book up and then it was like, oh no, it's in this other person. Oh no, this other person exists. Oh You're no. the middle initial. <laughs> but that's what you have to do. But that's but anyway, that's book talk. That's, do that off of air because we're not talking about books. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Well, I guess. Hey, bye. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank no you. Problem. Of course. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. All right.